I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode 20, is that our silver anniversary? Uh, It's some special anniversary. We made it this far. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, though, that we are celebrating my anniversary. And what anniversary is that? Five years, baby. Five years in oil and gas. Okay, yoo-hoo, five years. Go, James. <laughs> five years ago, July 10th, 2010, hired into Drilling Info, and my life was changed forever uh, to the everlasting um, pain of, of this industry. <laughs> oh, come on. This is the best industry on the planet. You know you love it. Uh, no, I love it. They just have to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, all right, I'm James Hahn II from TribeRocket.com. We're brand architects for next-generation oil field leaders, and you, Mr. LaCour. Uh, modalpoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. All right, guys. We do this every week. Every Friday morning, we go through all of the stories. And and this week, we added Mr. LaCour's Twitter handle as well. So follow me at James Hahn II. Follow Mark at Mark underscore LaCour, L-A-C-O-U-R. And whatever y'all click on the most is what we're going to talk about. And let's get into it because time is a wasting. And so oil sinks as shale resilient Iran deal deadline nears. Yeah, so what's happening is it looks like that uh, the U.S. and Europe is probably going to lift sanctions um, on Iran, which is going to allow them uh, to start selling their crude on the global market. Now, if you read this article, which is in Fuel Fix, I, 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 there's a couple things in here I have begged to differ with. So one of the things is they're, they're talking about this may lead to another oil slump because there's 40 million barrels of crude stored that is not allowed to hit the market. That's Iranian oil. And they're saying that if we lift the sanctions, this will be dumped on the market immediately, which will cause the market to tank. Let me put that perspective, that number. It sounds huge, 40 million barrels. The U.S. uses 20 million barrels a day. So this is two days worth of crude, just for the U.S., not for the world, just for the U.S. Wow. We don't think that this is going to tank the market again. We don't think there's people out there saying the oil's going to hit 20 some odd dollars a barrel. We don't think that's going to happen. What we think will happen if this oil enters the market, and, and we think it will be, um, is that it's just going to keep the crude prices low uh, for, for uh, uh, till next year. So um, this isn't um, a, a negative thing. Um, now, you can get to the politics of – of Iran being allowed to um, have the sanctions being lifted. And that's a totally different story. But we, we think the market's just fine, even if we lift the uh, sanctions and their uh, oil's allowed to go to market. Well, there's another link out there that I, I believe that you commented on that sort of ties in here. Not We didn't get in the show. I'll throw in the extras for everybody at tryrocket.com forward slash 20. Um, but uh, it was another one that I, I think you retweeted it where I said already. Um, because there was a whole whole other story that said now that the shale recession is over, what now? Yeah, it's um, it, it basically we're, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Show, but dr- drilling's activity starting to go up in the U.S., which is good, and, and it's something that we forecasted. Absolutely, and, and 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 just to because I still don't fully understand how to be able to tell someone, well, our oil doesn't compete on the world market. Can you break that down a little bit? 
Yeah, it's actually really simple. It is against the law, it's against federal law for the U.S. to export crude. So our crude never hits the global market. Now, we can export refined products, right? So diesel, gasoline, jet fuel, condensates, whatever. Um, and those are hit the, the market. But a lot of people miss that. A lot of people that aren't in industry and they are constantly trying to tie in U.S. production with the global market. And we don't enter the global market. It's illegal. We cannot sell our crude in the global market. Now, when we produce it uh, in the country, we actually um, – consume less foreign oil, which means we import less. So it does affect it that way, but we're not a global commodity. Got it. All right. Well, up next, uh, maybe this ship is going to be taking some of this stuff around the world because this is Shell with the Prelude. What's going on here? Yep. So Prelude's, uh, I think it's the world's largest fling project. And fling sounds like something you don't want to do to your wife or girlfriend, but fling is actually... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway... Fling is actually float, floating liquefied natural gas. So if you're in a gas field offshore, you can pipe that gas and, and transport it back to shore to compress it to liquid so you can move it around the world and sell it. Or why don't you just do it there at the well? So Shell built this huge vessel, which is called Prelude, with the help of a bunch of companies, one of which is one of my personal pet favorites, which is FMC Technologies. Um, and they're going to take the gas from this fields and um, actually compress it and process it and store it on the ship as liquefied natural gas and then bring it to market. So, you know, hats off to both Shell and all their vendors, including FMC Technologies. This is unbelievable. Holy technology. cow. I, I'm at 46 seconds right now and I just paused it. This thing is enormous. There's islands behind it that aren't as big as this thing. <laughs> yeah. And this is some serious engineering. And once again, you know, you, you hats off to the engineers that put this thing together safely on budget on time and it's going to benefit the world. Right now, um, uh, liquefied natural gas, which is used in a lot in Asia Pacific, is be able brought to market cheaply, environmentally effectively, and then you know just great stuff. So, so educate me a little bit then, because I, I finally, uh, thanks to Recircular, who has been very patient in in helping me to understand what happens at the well site, um, when I see these, I don't know what the heck, greenish neon. <laughs> are, the, are those crane? I mean, they almost look like coil drill out things, but and I'm sure that's the technical term things. But <laughs> yeah, it's um because this is an audio uh, radio show. I have no idea what you're looking at. <laughs> so I'm looking at the barge itself, and and uh, anyway, it's yeah, 46 seconds in, but I don't know. I'm just uh, it's, I, so it's not a barge. You just insulted the captain. It's actually there. You ship. go. It's, it has power. The yellow things you're seeing are, are it's piping that's being connected. Imagine those everything that's yellow is going to be interconnected um, on the on the fling vessel. Um, it's miles and miles of tubing. It's very high tech stuff. They're they're dealing in cri- crypto temperatures, right? So liquefied natural gas is you know whatever it's 200 something degrees below zero. Um, they're having to store it, process it. It's really cool stuff. Holy cow! Yeah, and you can see that the trucks down there they they just look like ants, but. Um, Anyway, enough of my childish ways being uh, <laughs> being all impressed by the big machines that we have here. And we have more big machines that are gearing up for hurricane season. What's going on with Chevron? Yeah, so this is Chevron talking about how it's set up for hurricane season. And actually, I worked hand-in-hand with Chevron during Katrina, and I know they're one of the best out there. They worry about their people first. They know where everybody is. They can do the math. They watch these storms. They have their own meteorologists, right? They don't watch the Weather Channel. They have Chevron meteorologists watching this stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Um, slow slow down. They have a Chevron meteorologist? Does they he- have a Does team he have a Chevron meteorologist? Right? Do they have and like Chevron's their own? Like the only, they have their own like intranet station or something like that with green screens and everything. 
Yeah, they have their own weather stations out in the Every one of those rigs has a weather station on it, right? And Chevron's meteorologists sit in what's called a, a network operations center, in, an NOC, and look at all this data, along with all the data released by the, um, you know, you know, the weather channel and, and the, uh, you know, all the other federal agencies, and they make decisions for Chevron. Um, Chevron has their own fleet of helicopters and aircraft. So if they deem that something's unsafe, they will evacuate their rigs, including the rig we're talking about right here, which is the Jack St. Mal, which is one of the furthest rigs in the Gulf of Mexico and some of the deepest water. 7,000 so, um, feet of water, it says, yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So they're in 7,000 feet of water, and they probably drilled through another 5,000 feet of rock. 280 miles south of New Orleans. Yep. So it's it's out in the middle of nowhere in the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. Wow, wow. And and and. So they, they've got all of their redundancies in place and their helicopters ready to go. Yeah, and, and you know, Chevron's not the only one. This article is just talking about Chevron, but all of the operators out there take hurricanes seriously and take their people's safety very seriously. It's, it's one of the things I love about our industry. So are these service companies that are that are manning these helicopters like it is on a rig site, or are these actually owned by Chevron? So the answer is yes to both. So most of the helicopters and crew boats that ferry people and supplies offshore are service companies. But just in case somebody can't meet their needs, Chevron has its own fleet on the standby. That, own fleet of helicopters. That's a, that's a good call. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, Texans, everything's bigger in Texas. And especially uh, when you share a link that involves the Eagleford breaking a record. Um, so th this this got a heck of a lot of clicks. Eagleford breaks the record for largest shipment of frack sand by rail. Yeah, so this is 140 train cars and nothing but frack sand going to <laughs> Eagleford. Now, let me put that in perspective. Yeah, please do. A mile, a mile is, I think, 5,238 feet. This this train was six over 6,200 feet long. This is over a mile of train. Um, they had, uh, I believe, uh, four engines um, pulling this thing, and it was certified by Union Pacific as the largest uh, sand logistics train in record. One study shows that shale drilling sites are using an average of 2,100 tons. Um, where's all this headed? So um, because of the – this is going to be counter to if, counter intuition, but – um, counter to whatever the word is. Intuitive. Say. Thank you. Um, because of these low crude prices, you would think that this, the need for sand and water to frack these wells would go down, right? What's actually happened is they're going out and refracking uh, a lot of these wells. It's, the, you know, it's, it's, it's cheaper to go out and stimulate an existing well than drill a new one. So the, the need for sand is actually going up in the frack fields because of low crude prices, which is not what you would think. And that's another link uh, story that that made the the rounds this week about how refracking is the new fracking. They were saying everywhere. Is okay. that the case? Yeah. So it, it's it's starting to happen now. We think it's going to peak in 2016 and move out to 2017 as well. So we're, we're I think we're just starting to go up that bell curve of refracking. Yeah. And 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 is refracking exactly what it sounds like, or is there more to it that we need to know? Uh, it's so it's it's exactly what it sounds like. We go to a fracked well and you you um you refrack it, you repressurize it with sand and water. But what has changed is some of these wells that were fracked just two years ago. The technology, the geoscience technology of exactly how to frack has improved so much that the second round of fracking will actually produce much better results than the first round did, just because we figured it out. Yeah. So so this goes back to our our ongoing conversation about about recovery rates. 
Yeah. So if you look at the, the curve recovery rates, when you go refract a well, you repush that production back up to the top of that curve. And because the, the science is better, the tail is drags out much longer. So it's, 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 you know, great stuff. So let's go even further in inside baseball here because we have the the Valve World Americas coming up next week, and I've been sharing out the part one, two, and three, and this is Pumps, Valves, and Seals Review Part One. Um, I'm not going to act like I know what this stuff is about. <laughs> so, you know, this is something that I think we've talked about before, but this the oil and gas industry is one of the most high-tech industries on the planet. Literally... Um, seals there's seals in this industry you can't find anywhere else because you have to have zero defects stuff can't break stuff can't leak so this is an article about um, a company called bear international corporation who makes and we were just talking about this earlier who makes pumps and seals for for cryo conditions so you know 100 degrees 200 degrees 300 degrees below zero but one thing that's interesting if you read this article about one of the seals they're talking about they manufacture is they literally took <laughs> took the seals from I think 309 degrees Fahrenheit to 140 degrees below zero Fahrenheit, and it didn't leak. That's 379, impo- yeah. I mean, that's that's impossible, right? To to manufacture material that can hold a seal under pressure at that high a temperature and that low a temperature. So this is like this is like this makes NASA scientists look like a bunch of Lego engineers. <laughs> Celsius, I got to throw that in. Not not yeah. that I not that I can do the math on the fly. You know, four out of three people struggle with math, Mark. I have heard that. <laughs> I want to heard that on this show. Yeah, and 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 I'm just throwing in the cheese because I'm waiting to to, to give the shout out. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, but for right now, we have to talk about Dragon Oil minority minority shareholders. Um, got a tweet at the last minute here. Decided to throw this one in because uh, apparently there's a sentiment out there that that um, e- is it Enoch? Is that how I say it? Um, yes. E- Enoch is is just trying to railroad some people here. Yeah, that's not what's happening. What's happening? So Enoch, um, so let's go back back a little. Dragon Oil is is an uh, independent oil and gas uh, EMP company, uh, exploration development company. It's based in Dubai and it's listed on the all things the Irish Stock Exchange. So um, um, Emirates Wait, National Dragon. Oil, you said Dragon is or Enoch? No, Dragon. Really? Yes. So um, Enoch, which is Emirates National Oil Company, um, is is out there trying to grab. Um, Dragon Oil, right? And so the 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 original offer out the gate, and we've talked about how mergers and acquisitions are going to rule in the next 24 months. But the initial offer out the gate was low, so you're having a lot of people out there saying that this low offer um, is is almost an insult that it's it's, it's uh, trying to hurt shareholders. It's that's not what's going on here. Anytime you have a negotiation and you're going to offer multi millions of dollars or something, do you offer your top bid out the gate? No. No, right? And, 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 if we're negotiating over a Snickers bar, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you a penny. Yeah, and so that's what's going on here. Um, it the the fit is a very good one. Um, the cultures of the two companies will mesh very well. Um, um, Enoch and Dragon Oil will complement each other. We think this deal's gonna go through, but we're just at the negotiation stage. What what are the what are the complementarity what what's going there going on there what are they gaining on so both sides? So basically, having an, an upstream company buy a downstream company, right? So you know, I now I can get the oil off the ground. Now I can actually turn it to something you can sell and sell it. So they're they're head. You said they're headquartered in the in Dubai or the United Arab Emirates. Okay, which company? Um, uh, sorry, Dragon Oil. So Dragon is actually based in Dubai. 
They're based in Dubai. Right. Um, they they trade on the Irish Stock Exchange. Where yeah, do they I do don't most? Do the of back, their, I don't know the backstory on that one. That I wonder where they do the most. Uh, where the most of their operations are? They, they being so, so so spread around like that. No, most of the operations are in the Middle East. Mm. Both of these companies are. Okay. All right. So it's it's like you said, an upstream company looking at a downstream company in their backyard and uh, and and basically uh, doing some standard negotiation practices. Right, right. So, you know, people that don't really understand what's going on read way too much into that. This is just the first round. This is what you and I or anybody listen to the show is how you would start the, the negotiations. Okay, I want to bring some more truth out here. Drilled hard for thousands of jobless Texans on and on and on and on. And yet I go yeah. and yet I go into LinkedIn and there are tens of thousands of open jobs in oil and gas. So what's going on? Yeah, this is a cultural thing, right? So this article is about the low crude prices um, causing unemployment, and especially in like drillers and operators, right? And which is true. Um, there's a, the drill rig count has dropped. There's not a need for as many crews or as many support people. But the industry as a whole is fine, right? Downstream right now is on fire. They can't hire enough people down there. Unfortunately, in the oil and gas industry, if you grow up in a service company or if you grow up in upstream or whatever or a pipeline company and you need to look for another job, you only look in what you're comfortable with, which is that part of the industry. If a lot of these guys would look in downstream, they would get a job in, in you know, hours. Um, but the culture in the industry is if I grow up as an operator, I'm going to look for another operator job. So um, you know, this, this, this article is a little bit heavy on the heart stuff. Um, yes, there's people out there out of work. Uh, it's not as big as impact to the industry as, as everybody says it is. And there, you're right. Like you said, James, there's a lot of jobs out there to be had. Yeah. And I wouldn't know that if it weren't for you, because I think you said, we got to get you out of your drilling info crib, James, <laughs> because, yeah. b because I came up for the first four, you know, three and a half years in upstream. And that's, I, I, I can talk downhole with the best of them. And then, and then you're, no, James, that's one segment. You got to get to know the whole industry. And, and now that I've sort of been enlightened in that way, um, it, it's, it's just another thing that really bothers me about America. And I'm not going to go down too far down that road, but all I'll say is, I, I don't know. I was just talk I was just arguing with a buddy on Facebook about how Portis had only made $2,400 off of 34 million, um, streams. And I was like, well, Shouldn't they have built their own platform? <laughs> you know, like, and, and I don't, I hate to sound crass and demeaning, you know, because people are out of work and it's hard, but there are jobs everywhere. Go get one. Yeah. But there's a perfect example of the cultural oil and gas industry. You grew up on the upstream side of the house. So until you and I uh, met, you thought that was the whole oil and gas industry. And I did. I, I did. And, and much of Houston seems to be the same way. Yeah, yeah, you know that was that's interesting to me too. So I've been coming here for 20 years for business, and I've lived here for about 13. And I never noticed how upstream centric Houston is. You're right, everybody's screaming gloom and doom, and I'm looking at the refineries just a few miles south of Houston, going, they can't hire enough people. You know, it's but yeah, it's it's the culture of the industry, and it's you know it's um, for whatever reason it's there. Well, uh, well, hopefully a few people will hear us talking about this, and and maybe go search LinkedIn for some downstream, midstream jobs. All right, let's let's end on a high note with the upstream people, though, uh, with the upstream segment, I should say. I don't want to sound like my, my brother when he really wants to piss someone off. He'll, he just goes, you people. <laughs> you, he's like, just say it whenever you want to. It, it just it's fun. Trust me. Um, you can tell uh, why I have the issues I have right now. Oil explorers boost U.S. drilling for the first time since December. 
Yeah, we alluded to this in one of the earlier news articles, but um, drilling activity is starting to go up, um, and it's starting to go up in all the shell plays. Um, and and we we forecasted this. We we knew it was going to come. Um, we thought we hit rock bottom. This is just another sign that we were right. We've already hit rock bottom. Now, the growth rate is not going to be as phenomenal as it was when it all first started. It's going to be very slow, very steady. Um, but it's good stuff, right? You get more rigs out there working. You got newer rigs out there that can do more work quicker. You got crews out there working. You have a more need for the service company. So, um, you know, God bless the oil and gas industry, especially here in the U.S. Absolutely. And 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 the thing that's nice is that, given the dip, obviously it it shook some of the dust off, but it it also made a heck of a lot more uh, of these companies actually care about how they spend those dollars and getting getting more with less. No, no, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, something that, that, you know, operational excellence is something that this low sh- uh, price is forced upon a lot of the operators. And it's something that's going to percolate through the industry for the next five or six years, we think, which is good. It's good for everybody. Absolutely. And I'm going to say absolutely again. <laughs> Transitioning over to our weekly Onion, uh, there's a story about Mark on here, fi- a 55-year-old guy dominating YMCA pickup basketball. Again. Yeah, that's not me. I don't play basketball. Oh, and I forgot our commercial break, which I'm going to throw in right now. Many of y'all listening to this show are small business owners in the oil field, just like Mark and I. Whether you're upstream pushing through the downtimes, midstream fighting for market share, downstream trying to move inventory, or a small service company looking to boost sales, we all need revenue. Like any skill, growing a business isn't easy. It takes persistence, patience, tenacity, and guidance. That's why starting in September, not July, as we originally said, starting in September, TriRocket is launching Oilfield Revenue University. Discover how to drive website traffic, leads, and sales on a scale that was once only available to industry giants. These are the same strategies I used to build Drilling Info's online platform and the same tactics Mark LaCour used to completely transform his business. Modal Point went from having a team of cold callers who pounded phones to try and get their foot in the door to doing zero outbound calls and having having prospects kick in Mark's door. So he fired his whole team of cold callers. He had to hire a sales guy to handle his inbound leads, and he closed the largest deal in his company's history, 10x, his average deal size. Did, was, did that cover it, Mark? <laughs> yeah, actually, let's update this a little bit. I'm talking to my second hire, my second salesperson I'm getting ready to pick up. Right nice, now. nice. Because of your work. Thank yep. you. Thank you. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Learn how to maximize and convert trade show leads, create print ads that get results, rapidly grow your email list, and take out billion-dollar competitors by ranking first on Google for search phrases across your oil field niche. For more information, visit TribeRocket.com forward slash TW Revenue. Oilfield Revenue University, a proven step-by-step guide to exponential revenue growth for small oilfield businesses. Again, go to TribeRocket.com forward slash TW Revenue to learn more. That's TribeRocket.com forward slash TW Revenue. We got a couple things coming up um, coming up uh, in, in the world of oil and gas, and we mentioned it earlier, Valve, World's America, uh, Valve World America's Wednesday the 15th through Thursday the 16th down there at the George R. Brown Convention Center in, in this lovely city of Houston, Texas. And you're going to be there, Mark. Yeah, I'll be there Wednesday for sure. Anybody wants to join me, I have uh, f- free passes um, on, on listen to my uh, monthly newsletter. Um, it's a great show. Um, a lot of uh, frontline people will be there. It's, it's uh, always look forward to the show. And, and then we have 
the Urtech is coming up already. Um, it's a couple weeks out, so you still have time, but it's the Unconventional Resources Technology Conference, Monday the 20th through Wednesday, July 22nd, and that's going to be at the Henry B. Gonzalez Convention Center. Uh, we got to have a lot of middle initials in our in our convention centers <laughs> yeah. here in Texas. So, um, what what do you, what do you think is going to happen here at 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 Urtech? Is everyone going to be kicking the can, or do you think there might be some optimism on the show floor? No, no, there's going to be optimism, right? We're headed up, and if you think about um, um, increasing operational efficiency, one of the first things most people think of is technology, because technology plays a big role in this. Whether it's your back office technology, your measurement while drilling technology even your weight on bit technology. So this should be a really fun show this year. I'm going to try and get out there if I can get off of this nearly broken ankle um, by then. Um, That's another story, folks. Hit me up on Twitter. I'll tell you all about it. Um, Call to action. We need reviews. And I've been saying I I couldn't wait to get to this one. Shout out to CrudeMan33. Um, gave us a four-star review. This is the first quality show I've found that is dedicated to the happenings in the oil and gas industry. The information provided is excellent, but the guys can be a little cheesy, and I assume he's talking about me. (laughs) The show is worth listening to for 20 minutes a week. Thank you for that. We want your honest opinion. Um, We love four- and five-star reviews, but hey, man, if, if, if you just need to troll, by all means, go ahead. Because that's going to push us up in the search rankings. And, um, and, and Mark, I said I wasn't going to sell this, but I did. And we're at 25 minutes. That's fine. I'll take the cheesy. Thanks, Crude Man, for the review. I'm glad you found our content valuable. Yeah, so tryrocket.com forward slash TW review will take you straight into iTunes. And while you're there, you can subscribe. And then also, oh, big finish. Oh, yep. big finish. We now, ladies and gentlemen, have a LinkedIn group. This Week in Oil and Gas. This Week in Oil and Gas has its own LinkedIn group. You can go to tryrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. Tryrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn and ask to join. And don't spam our group or you will be mercilessly crushed. Yeah, we don't do the spammer thing, people. Yeah, yeah. Start conversations. Don't spam. Help each other. Help each other. But yeah. Yeah, but 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 in all honesty, I cannot wait to get to know all of you in, in the LinkedIn group, and that's at tryrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. So go on over there, and I'll start approving all of your all of your entries, and uh, and and maybe we'll get some of the other stories that people have have been asking for us to talk about. Yep, that's a great place for people to put requests out there. All right, man, we went long because I'm I, I went I, I was a little long winded this show, so get us out of here, Mark. All right, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. I've been called corny. I've been called ghetto. <laughs> I've been called Eminem. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure I would disagree with any of those.